Now you don't know it, but you've actually done a little Trinitarian theology work this morning already. When you sang the Trinity song, I'd like to point out to you how it is a deep theological statement. You have one melody for the Father. You have a second melody for the Son. What happened to the third melody? Is no third melody. It's the harmony between the first and the second. That's the Spirit. So much for the sermon today. (laughs) It isn't easy to know Dad. That's earthly Dad and heavenly Dad. Let's listen to John 16, which is one of those passages, one of the larger passages that really frames our thinking about the word Trinity, the meaning of Trinity, when the Father, the Son, and the Spirit show up together in one conversation. Jesus said, I have said these things to you to keep you from stumbling. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, an hour is coming when those who kill you will think by doing so they are offering worship to God. And they will do this because they have not known the Father or me. Now that one paragraph is worth probably 30 sermons in today's world. Jesus continued, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. A little while and you will no longer see me, and again a little while you will see me. Then some of his disciples began to say to one another, what does he mean by saying this to us? A little while and you will no longer see me, and again a little while you will see me. Now, if you haven't got it already, this is supposed to be a moment of humor in the Gospel of John. We'll come back to it. Because I am going to the Father. And they said, what does it mean by this a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. Jesus knew they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, Are you discussing among yourselves what I meant when I said a little while and you will no longer see me? And again, a little while you will come and see me and you can see the disciples saying, yes, yes, yes. What is the answer? Yes, yes. Jesus goes on to say, I came from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I am leaving the world and I'm going to the Father. The disciples said, yes, now you are speaking plainly. Thank God. Not in any figure of speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need to have anyone question you. By this we believe that you came from God. 
Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? The hour is coming indeed, and it has already come when you will be scattered, each one to his own home, and you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I have said this to you so that in me you may find peace. In the world you face persecution, but take courage. I have conquered the world. The word of the Lord. O Lord, help us be patient in understanding the word that you have spoken to us in your gospel. John 16 begins and ends with trouble. Now, there's even a little bit of humor in that because it is the chapter to help us enter into the difficult, mystical world of the Trinity. And when you get in that world, it is trouble. Because there are a lot of different interpretations, there are a lot of misunderstandings about the nature of God. And that's why this text is so important. People misunderstand God. And because they misunderstand God, the first part of the text is they kill people, and the last part of the text is they persecute them. Wow. A lot of bad things can come out of a misunderstanding of the true nature of God as Father. And we continue to have those struggles today. In the midst of this difficult, troubling time, Jesus has a moment of humor with the disciples. They get preoccupied with the comings and goings of Jesus and what a little while means. They become Presbyterians at that moment. They just have to analyze it and pick it apart. But there's supposed to be humor in it. Like, if you read the Gospel of John and you're not confused, there's something wrong with you. Because it is confusing. And it is meant to be confusing. And it is meant to be humorously confusing. Beware of anyone who reads the Gospel of John without smiling. Oh, so many times I've heard the Gospel of John from grumpy people. I'm not a grumpy person. People think they know the Father, and they know the Son, but according to this chapter, they don't know anything. They think they know But what they do know, they use for abuse because they're too narrow, limited, distorted, and they have such a reduced view of God that they actually use it to oppress other human beings. Do you know the Gospel of John has been used for more oppression of other human beings than any other Gospel? Wow. Because we misunderstand the nature of God. People want to grab hold of a little piece of God and kind of accent that as a, I know God completely, as if they've got the little toenail of the elephant. They think the God of the Old Testament is angry, vindictive, vengeful, condemning. He is a tough guy and one bad blankety-blank. But we don't see any of that in Jesus. We think we know the Father, but we don't know the Father because the Father is reflected in the Son 
And Jesus isn't any of those negative attributes. What happens as a result of a wrong view of God? People who think God makes rules and laws, therefore we have to abide by them. If you break the laws of God, God will punish you. God wreaks vengeance on his enemies, those who pe- people who break the laws. God is male. Men are in charge and men should control women. That's still at work in the world today. Women, do you say amen to that? I'm not saying saying you should say amen to the law, but to the nature of the reality of it, okay? Men should act like demanding and controlling and judgmental God. Men are the primary image of God. Women are the secondary creation. After all, God created Adam first, and it was kind of an afterthought that Eve came along because Adam was lonely. God's primary character is not love and forgiveness, but demand and punishment for broken rules. Jesus could not be the Son of God because he was frankly just too nice. Now, maybe I'm hyperbolizing what is being said, but let me tell you, a lot of history is built around that wrong view of God, the wrong view of the Father. It's led to this general understanding of what we've now summarized as paternalism. People in positions of power and authority restricting the freedom and possibilities of those who are subordinate to them because they think they know better of who God is and what God wants them to do. But they do so always with the idea, well, I'm doing this in your best interest. I'm controlling you and beating up on you because you need it. Now, if that doesn't really anger you, then you're really missing the point of the struggle of humanity from ancient times to today. And practically everything we read in the news continues to play this out. A wrong view of God. And if we could just get it right, we could probably solve a lot of humans' problems. John 16, I think, is this key verse. They, the world leaders and the religious leaders, will throw you out of the synagogues and the churches and their organizations. Those who kill you, block you, demean you, reject you, and get rid of you will think by doing so they are actually serving God. They will do this because they have not known the Father or the Son. Wow. So our primary concern here is not the Trinity. Our primary concern here is that do we really know who God is? Let's clean it up. People think because they know God that they have a right to run other people's lives. But they reject the Son, and in doing so, they reject the Father. They have made God the Father someone different than who God really is. But Jesus is as clear as a bell here. If you've seen the Son, you've seen the Father. Please never forget that. You say, well, what about the God of the Old Testament? If you've seen the Son... You've seen the Father. There is no difference between the God of the New Testament and the Old Testament. Let's get over it. 
We misunderstand the God of the Old Testament, and we build the wrong stereotypes and images of the God of the Old Testament, but Jesus came to clarify it all. And that upset a lot of people because they liked that God of the Old Testament. Now you can tell I'm a little riled up today. Because I'm tired of living in a world where we get God wrong. And too many Christians get God wrong. If you've seen the Son, you've seen the Father. The problem of religious systems and any human system is that we think we know best. In our arrogant, judgmental, controlling, condemning, opinionated, telling, commanding, demanding, critical, conspiratorial, vindictive, vengeful, inflexible, narrow-minded, jealous, and power-hungry ways. Now, if you think I'm preaching a political sermon, no, I'm not. I'm just preaching Jesus. We know more about God than you, people would say, so you need to listen to our view of God because those other people are wrong. And they don't remember to look at Jesus. Now, my own dad was complicated. I have to say on the surface, and this is how my oldest brother experienced him, because when my dad was young, his more difficult characteristics shone brightly. He was macho, misogynistic, he was a racist, he separated the roles of women and men, he was controlling, narrow-minded, he was a farmer from the blue-collar perspective, arrogant, opinionated, a Republican defensive person, Pentecostal and judgmental. That was my dad. But that wasn't all of my dad. Difficulty of my older brother is that he wrote my dad off when that's all he saw. But my dad was more than that. He loved God. He knew Jesus. He valued the Bible. He was direct and honest, a person of integrity, thoughtful, prayerful, spiritual. He despised shallow and superficial. Let me just say at this point, that's the reason I became a Presbyterian out of being a Pentecostal, because he kept criticizing the Pentecostals for being shallow and superficial. And I said, let me find a group that's not. <laughs> now, we have our other issues, but shallowness and superficiality are not one of them. My dad was a good listener and a counselor. He counseled pastors. They came to him because they trusted him. He was growing and increasingly humble, and he loved my mom. Boy, there's a biggie. You can say a lot of negative things about my dad, but he loved my mom, and boy, that created all sorts of positive things in the family. And so, is my dad just the obnoxious one or the gracious one? He was both. And I believe he was on his way from being obnoxious to becoming more gracious. God help us all to be on that journey. My dad had a great sense of humor. We laughed a lot in our family. 
That also says something. I believe God has a great sense of humor, and the problem with a lot of scriptural biblical interpretation is it lacks humor. If you look at the front of your bulletin and the quotation from Meister Eckhart, and the way that Meister Eckhart understood the Trinity, what is the core terminology of the Trinity? Laughter. Have you ever thought about the Trinity as being defined by laughter? Well, when I think of my dad, I think that really makes sense to me. People who don't laugh really don't know God. And one of the reasons we have a loss of that is because there's a gap between our deep understanding of the Hebrew and the nature of Hebrew and the way we translate things into such stuffy English. English is very stuffy. Hebrew is not. And in the middle of this text, these are the words, and I'm going to read them again to you because it's just downright funny. Jesus said, A little while and you will no longer see me. And again, in a little while, you will see me. Now, if that doesn't confuse you, you're missing it. You can just see the disciples, huh? And then some of the disciples said to one another, what does he mean by saying to us a little while and you will no longer see me? And again, in a little while you will see me because I'm going to the Father. What does he mean by that? They're talking together. They're whispering to each other. And Jesus, you can almost see him smiling as he's aware of their conversation with each other. So he says, Jesus knew what they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, Are you discussing among yourselves what I meant when I said a little while and you will no longer see me? And again a little while you will see me? Yes. The Gospel of John is very, very convoluted and complicated and it's meant to pull humor out of us so that we won't get so preoccupied with our own damned arrogance about what it means the all humor of confusion the humor of coming and going the humor of what a little while means John is ambiguous, paradoxical, and contrarian. If you are confused, you are in touch with reality. You're normal. This is why people who read the Gospel of John almost always get tongue-tied. Because you think, huh, didn't I already say that? But he said it a little differently. How is God the Father of Jesus? Let's just stop and think about this in two ways. According to the Apostles' Creed, God was there at the conception and the birth of the Virgin Mary who birthed Jesus. So God is Father in the sense of conceived by the Holy Ghost and born of the Virgin Mary. But if you think that's where it ends, you are wrong and greatly mistaken. The great fatherhood of God in relationship to Jesus is mostly demonstrated not in conception but in the nurturing ongoing presence of the father in Jesus life now let me say that again the nurturing ongoing presence of the father in Jesus life how do we know who our parent is 
because those are the ones who've hung in there and nurtured us through thick and thin, through the highs and lows. Just because you were there at conception doesn't mean you have the right to be called mom or dad. We've got to get over that. Now, that is a political statement. We need to get back to the real issue of what makes Jesus the Son and God the Father. It's the presence every day, and it's the conversation, it's the relationship. Now, I have a few fathers in the Presbyterian faith. My dad was greatly disappointed when I announced to him I wanted to become a Presbyterian pastor. He did not like Presbyterians. He had an image of Presbyterians that they were liberal and not biblical. And they didn't like Jesus. Now, is that a stereotypical problem? You bet it is. So I come along as his son, and I say, I want to become a Presbyterian. Pentecostalism doesn't have it for me. The father struggled with that. But I had adopted several of the faith fathers of this denomination, and one of them died last week. His name was Lloyd John Ogilvie. He was the pastor of the Hollywood Presbyterian Church. And before that, he was the pastor of the Bethlehem Presbyterian Church, where I pastored for a few years. Probably his greatest sermon, the one that is most well-known, is the sermon about God the Father. It's called The Prodigal God, and it is the sermon out of the story of the prodigal son. But Lloyd Ogilvy said, no, we've got to get this right. God's the prodigal, not just the sons. And so he says in that sermon, prodigal means extravagant. There's a creative prodigality of the father. Love has no limits, forgiveness has no boundaries, and joy has no restraints. There's a context of Jesus' love for outsiders, while the Pharisees are criticizing Jesus' welcoming sinners. And that is where the story comes from. God offers unlimited love, forgiveness, and reconciliation. The tender word of the Father soars above all other designations of the nature of God. If you know the story of the prodigal father, then you know the true nature of God. That's one of the reasons I became a Presbyterian. Because we are a broken record on one great phrase. God is love. And it drives some of our Christian friends nutty. Because they say, well, God's a lot more than that. And then they go into all the vindictive side of God. No, primarily, if you read the story of the prodigal son and you look at Jesus, you see God is love and full of grace and mercy. The Spirit is called the one who is parakaleo, the one who's called alongside. Jesus is called alongside. The Father is called alongside, not over and above. The Spirit shows the true nature of God. God wants to come alongside of us 
and help us on the way to a better life. And the Son shows us that, and the Spirit helps us to do it. Is God male? Oh, that's a biggie in history. I believe that God is more than male. Let me say that again. God is more than male. To be male is to be incomplete. Let me say it again, guys. To be male is to be incomplete. If there's nothing else we learn from that early part of Genesis, when Adam was created, he was lonely. He was incomplete. That ought to be a call for every one of us to say, my maleness doesn't complete it. God is the Father of Jesus and invites us into a relationship, but that Father is way beyond our male identity. And here's how our Presbyterian most recent statement of faith puts it. God loves us still. God makes us heirs with Christ of the covenant, like a mother who will not forsake her nursing child, like a father who runs to welcome the prodigal home, God is faithful still. And in the early part of that, God in sovereign love created the world good and makes everyone equally in God's image, male and female of every race and people, to live as one community. How do we understand the fatherhood of God? It's much bigger than manliness. My dad was learning that after a while. There was a famous confrontation in our family where my wife and other daughters-in-law of the family noticed how hard my mom worked after the big meals and she washed all the dishes by hand. And they came to her one day and said, we're buying you a dishwasher. And my dad said when he heard that, we already have a dishwasher and her name is Mama. Oh, that steamed the women of the family. And they said, Mama's going to get help. And my dad learned that there is power in the presence of the women of the family. And he never quite figured out what to do about that. Well, I could go on for a long time on this one, but let me say this in summary. If you're going to get to know Dad, then you're going to have to blow out some of your narrow views of God. And you're going to have to blow out some of your narrow views of your own father because there was more there than met the eye. Yes, there could have been obnoxiousness there and narrow-mindedness and all sorts of negative things, but underneath all that is a deep hunger to know God and be loved by God. Fathers, let's move beyond our maleness and into our God-formedness like Jesus, whose character was way beyond the typical man. And he loved us. My dad's favorite hymn, 
was the love of God. The words go like this, the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. Could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made and were every stock on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry nor could the scroll contain the whole though stretched from sky to sky. O love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong it shall forevermore endure. It is the saints and angels song. That love of God reformed my dad. Let's take a moment in quietness now to carefully think about how that love of God wants to reform us. Hear our prayers, Lord. Oh, Lord, we thank you that you are a loving Father who runs to welcome us home, who cares for us with compassion and tenderness. Again and again, we have seen your loving hand. We thank you for the glimpses of your love that we've seen in human love, for the love of parents, for the love of children and grandchildren, for the love of friends. We pray for fathers and grandfathers in every season of life. For those with young children, give them patience and energy. For fathers of teens and adult children, so often also caring for their own parents, give them grace and wisdom and humor. We pray for fathers and all people around the world who struggle to feed and support themselves and their families, who are in relationships that are brittle and breaking, who find themselves caught up in forces of hostility and violence. And we pray for all who find themselves in need today, those who are sick, lonely, fearful, grieving, those who face death today. And so we pray as you have taught us for the day when your will is done on earth as in heaven, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.